The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at 9 with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. That's right. It is Tuesday, February 6th, and today is National Chopsticks Day. Safer Internet Day, whatever that's supposed to mean. It's also National Frozen Yogurt Day, Rico. I think it's a little too rainy for frozen yogurt. but And it's also, you're going to love this, Todd and Rico. It is National Lame Duck Day. What do you got to say about that? <laughs> Thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. You can look down below on your screen to see exactly where we live on the Internet. And we are live every Monday through Friday on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and on our very own website at www.hyatt9news.com. So welcome to everyone joining us from any one of those platforms. We appreciate you being here with us. But today we are going to kick it off with, that's right, it is the dope dad himself. The man who loves to dance the cabbage patch when he's getting those happy cabbage sales. That's right, it is the dope dad himself, Rico Meat. And the crowd goes wild. Yes. You're, you're on silent, Rico. You're being silenced. Hunter Biden got your tongue. Mm-hmm. There. <laughs> yep. yep. What are you doing? Putting your hands up? Why are you putting your hands up? Because he doesn't want to get shot. Oh, man. Right. Man. Because he's a black guy. Right. Man. <laughs> now we don't hear you. Whatever you did. No. 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 Whatever you did. I'll, how about now? No, I don't know. Maybe you need to unplug your thing. Or uh, if, if you want, I can go into my story while you have to figure yeah. it out. Oh, there you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. All right. Uh, there we go. Uh, oh, you got a bad oh, connection. Oh, man, Rico. Okay. Something's going on. Rico. Are you hold, up, hold up. Hold up. Oh, okay. There we go. There we go. There we go, Rico. Rico. Here we go. Okay. There we go. There you go. All right. I dug it. All right, there you go. Rod dogging it. Amazing. Rod dogging it. Yeah, right. I was going to say. Talk uh, about it Tuesday. I, I trust. I feel very dirty. Rod dog every Tuesday, man. I bet. I bet. I, <laughs> I bet. trust that our audience is uh, old enough to know that uh, what the Cabbage Patch is, Jason. That's a good one right there. Yes. Definitely yes. appreciate it. Yeah, I like that one. I like that one. 
I could totally see you doing that. Yes. <laughs> when you're on the I just got an I just got an STD in my ear from this. <laughs> uh, I'm actually talking about the cabbage patch, but if you want to take it the raw dog too. Yes. Um, someone get speak more from raw dogging a cabbage patch doll. Yeah, someone get yes, Yaro a Q-tip, please. using my microphone today. I'll, I'll say it with my chest because we're going to talk about reparations today, Jason. Oh boy, <laughs> here we go. Can't so, um, as you all know, well-accomplished rapper and activist Killer Mike had quite the eventful Los Angeles weekend. Before he won three Grammys on Sunday and arrested for getting into what police reported as a physical altercation with security later that evening, the Atlanta native swung by Bill Maher's show for a guest appearance on Friday to engage in a rather interesting reparations debate with the host and fellow panelist, New Hampshire Mayor, uh, New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu. Adam, please play the tape. Oh, hold on. Tape's coming up. Tape is coming up. There we but go. I, do, I do think this country could benefit from a reparations package that included cash, that included reversal of redlining by helping black people be homeowners, understand credit, and understand Americans that if, a, if the black community has more money, this country has more money. Yeah, and, and we need to start seeing ourselves in a relationship. Right. As, long, as long as we have the topic on the table, what do you think about that? Reparations. Uh, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy just texted me his Taylor Swift playlist. I'm, I haven't been paying attention. Wait, you're dodging this question? I'll dodge it. In terms of what? Reparations? reparations. No, Sending no, out a check. Uh, someone's got to pay. No, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not for reparations. I'm not, I'm not for that at all. Um, at the end of the day, uh, this country owes $34 trillion, and the government doesn't owe that money. You well, all owe that money. And also, don't be fooled. The money's got to come from somewhere. It's between collective guilt and individual. Why don't you feel guilty? No, I, I don't. Yeah, yeah and I because think, I didn't do it. I think more black collective, but you benefited from it. You benefited from it, and you still benefit yeah, yeah, from yeah, it. Yes, that's true yeah. too. That's so true my true. thing is, my thing is just help spread the benefits. But okay, but you know there are reparations that do go on in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I didn't okay. say absolutely. Just give yeah. me a few million dollars, and I'm fine. No, I think that trade and higher level education. I do think the cash payout. I think that there should be a mortgage forgiveness. I think that we should have an incentive to incentivize black wealth in this country. Robert Smith, black billionaire, had an interesting conversation where he wanted to tax corporations 2% of wealth. Imagine what 2% of multi-billion dollar companies does for black, um, for black society. What it does is it creates a place where it's not perfect, but Atlanta black people have opportunity. And if you talk to Bro Governor Brian Kemp in Georgia, Georgia, we also have Republican governor who I have a relationship with. For the last 10 years, we've been number one in business. We've created over 60,000 jobs and have more jobs coming. I would challenge you to, to help put together a reparations package that made the rest of America look more like the opportunity. Well, he's from New Hampshire. That's yeah. not going to happen. Well, well, <laughs> but but, is, but is it, if I may, Lord knows I didn't want to get into a reparations discussion. It would, it would but, cost but, you hundreds you, of dollars up there. And then you got the, well, again, is it, what about the Native Americans who are, or, you know, you got, you got well, to go down the I list. Would, and well, and well, when we're done we with the reparations the package this year, what about hear, You don't hear black generation. people arguing against yeah. reparations for anyone. We've never argued against res reservations. Yeah. We've never argued against any payouts for people America's wrong. We're simply saying, while we're at the table, let's do something to aid the people that until 60 years ago lived in apartheid. Okay, you, but, but like, 60 uh, years is not very long. With, with, with Native Americans, 
we gave them the, the casino industry. Yeah. What about, you know, supermarkets? Could black people have the marijuana industry? Well, I'm something like could that. We, could, could we, uh, look at his fucking face. Would you, would you give us, give us, give, like, that's what yeah. give us marijuana. Multi-billion dollar industry is still out fresh, of, <laughs> it's still growing. Why doesn't Killer Mike have a marijuana I, license I, in Georgia? I'm, I'm out of the business. Will you call Brian so Kemp for I, me I, now? I, 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 Brian's a great friend, but... Yeah. If you're going to buy marijuana, I would suggest you do it at the Woods, which is the great uh, pot shop here in L.A., which I'm a part owner of with Woody Harrelson. Uh, okay, what do you think of the news that NASA says the moon is shrinking? <laughs> Fucking Biden. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we found the root of uh, the anger that was uh, being carried all through the weekend by Killer Mike that ended up being taken out on that poor security guy. <laughs> but um, as MJ Moments, uh, Ben Adlin suggested, Killer Mike's long been an advocate for cannabis reform, to even teaming up with other celebrities to encourage the Biden administration to issue pardons for the uh, for past cannabis-related crimes. Back in 2020, he challenged then-President-elect Joe Biden to adopt the marijuana legalization plan of Senator Bernie Sanders, um, whom the rapper has credited with largely inspiring the legalization movement. Uh, movement. But this reparations angle is a new one. While I don't personally think it's as cut and dry, especially at this point in the game to just hand over control of the industry to black leadership, uh, with the miscues we've seen occur from state to state regarding social equity, maybe a more reparations-driven version should be open for discussion in emerging red state markets in the South that have a more lasting and visible history of institutional racism like Mike's home state of Georgia. In no way do I believe it had happened right out the gate, um, or, you know, uh, exactly how we think it should happen. Uh, but an interesting thought experiment nonetheless. And I applaud Mike for bringing up the R word so fearlessly on stage with white men in positions of power like Sununu and, Ma and Mar. Um, uncomfortable conversations like this need to happen for change to eventually occur. And the recorded reactions of white men being challenged should also be digitally immortalized so we all know where they stood when the rubber actually meets the road. But those are just my thoughts. I'd love to hear from the rest of y'all. My name is Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street for Hyatt 9 News. Let's talk about it. Oh, yeah. Jason. Talk about it Tuesday. Come on now. I mean, he, he is just ridiculous when he says give give, give the black community the cannabis industry. Just I mean, say why, that. why would they <laughs> want, why would they even want that? <laughs> just say it. That's right. just going to give them all just more debt. And the, the, I, I mean, this is just just crazy, 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 crazy. Now, I'm I'm not totally opposed to reparations in some tort type of something or whatnot, but I don't think this what would is the reparations way to go. look like to you, Jason? What would it look like to me? Well, well, well this is the whole thing. So, yeah. so, 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 so let's. If you're going to have reparations, you'd have to come out with qualifiers. And in today's uh, age of definitions being crossed and 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 murdered with everything, I don't understand how you would ever. You're going to have situations like that lady in Washington that claimed that she was black that was all white. You're going to have all of that, okay? And so, so and it just doesn't. Huh? There, there, there have been several there have been several models that have been proposed in situations like that have been handled in those models. Have they? Those, have uh, they been handled? Have models. they really been handled in those hypothecated mm -hmm. models? If, if you want to have a serious conversation about it, I there am. have been several serious conversations about this with formulas, in fact, presented 
that actually handle what's the formula for reparations rico what's what's the number my my question to you is what would fair reparations look like you said you are down for it you said you think some kind of reparations should go i mean yeah like if if we're giving 40 billion dollars to ukraine yeah i i i i I, like like who cares at at that point we already have crazy gross overinflation and whatnot and who really cares like the u.s dollar is tanking and everything so why not just throw it everywhere Just treat so it like just, a, just give it away because Ameri- it's not worth anything. Yeah, tr- treat America like a strip club. <laughs> it's not. Oh, wow. That's they, not. They, they, no, they, no. They so very loaded. so here, uh, <laughs> talk about strip clubs and reparations, but, but go on, uh, Yarrow, please. You see how those. I mean, so here's the thing: you if you're a Republican and you buy into the notion of trickle-down economics, then if you take money and you circulate it in the economy, you create wealth for a lot of the recipients of that money. You create wealth for car dealerships. You, when he talks about home ownership, how many real estate agents, how many title companies, how many marketing companies, how many people are going to benefit from that money being spent, right? And so when I think about money and reparations, I think about it in terms of a stimulus package. I think about the way in which those people, they're not just going to take that money, put it in a bank, get 2% and not spend it. And they're not going to spend it overseas either. And so I think we really need to think about and to get the widest coalition of support around this conversation, we need to think about how a lot of other people benefit or would benefit from money being spent domestically. And we do know we've got some stains on our CV. We are one of the greatest countries in the world, and we've got some problems in the past. They're not skeletons in our closet. They're really obvious. And what would this do energetically to our country to say, yep. ooh, yeah, no, that was not our best. I mean, come on. We sterilized black men. Come on. We did a lot of stuff that was not okay. And we can be proud of who this country is while still insisting that we do better and that we acknowledge the missteps. And so think about what that money would do, because I guarantee none of those recipients are going to sit there and do nothing with it. It would be a stimulus package, and it would also be a message to the world. It would be a message to the world about accountability. And if the United States wants to resume or maintain some position on the world stage when it comes to what a moral compass looks like, then doing something like this could be a resounding, now what? And we would pound our chest and a lot of money would get circulated and a lot of people besides black recipients would benefit. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you know. What do you think about this one, Todd? Uh, uh, I think it has to come into the form of housing assistance, uh, college assistance, you know, small business loan uh, assistance. That that solves uh, Yara's problem, right? Because then this money gets distributed around. But uh, I think that's what it has to be around, you know. I don't don't think writing, you know, everybody a check for 10 grand or whatever that number ends up being is the right thing to do. But uh, I do think that it was a shameful time in America and uh, we should teach about it. It shouldn't be removed from schools the way it's doing in uh, your favorite state, uh, Jason, Florida. It is not removed from schools, just the, the, just the, uh, just the um you just can't admit that those guys are knucklehead <laughs> racists. That's not what they're doing at all. It's not what they're doing at all. They're, they're just let, a let's bunch of, you know, they're afraid of the white race going away. CRT think about should Sununu, not be taught in schools. And think about Sununu's misstep when he talks about this isn't the government's obligation.
obligation. This is all of your obligation. If Sununu was to take this and reframe it, not in terms of the obligation every taxpayer has to the national debt, but was to reframe it and to say, think about every black person that walks down the street having X number of dollars they could spend on your small business. Right. It changes the mindset of the people who would need to buy into this in order for this to get some critical mass and some momentum. And so instead of looking at it as a liability, I look at it as more people with more wealth spending more money in my community. Well, that's the thing, though. Governor Sununu, there's not a big black population in New Hampshire, bro. That's why he has zero opinion. So he's not he's but not gonna get he's not his state's not gonna owner. get a lot of that business. I mean, <laughs> you know. Well, they have a they have they have a pretty uh they have a pretty strong um, uh, mixed population there too because of uh, a lot of the uh, descendants of slaves uh, um from a lot of those white people in power. There's a there's a lot of mixed people in New Hampshire. I've done some work in uh, in New Hampshire. Well, I thought when Shout you're mixed you still identify as black though, Rico. And you do, and so they have a pretty prominent and very, very I'm, impoverished. I'm not buying that black one. community in New Hampshire. Yes, they in like one city. Go out there in like yeah. one city. Yeah. I, I was just out there. Go out, go out in Nashua. I didn't see any. Go out in Nashua. Yeah. All I saw was yeah. all white They're people serious. when I was there. I was looking in every There's car. Twenty-one thousand. You you were self-segregating, Jason. We know. Yeah, that's yes. right. <laughs> I'm sure twenty-one thousand African Americans. The people out there, Jason. Um, no, what I'm saying with this, this is this is these are the uncomfortable conversations that we definitely need to have. Like all jokes aside, uh, 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 with this, mm-hmm. um, it is an investment, period. And right. um, I, I feel like um, the um, the whole social equity experiment that we started out here in California, like it's it's, it's failed, right? And then um, the fact that um, a lot of our white brothers and sisters are f- struggling in this industry now are loaded up in this industry with debt um, as we see it we need to start really having these conversations about reparations especially if as, as we're staring world war three uh, uh, down the line right now if you want to have black folks on your side in mass you think we're going to be happy if we're broke <laughs> hell nah right um the reparations that were given to a lot of the uh, the germans over uh, over in europe right it it was not going to fix what the Nazis did, but it's a psychological boost that is given that at least you give a fuck about our people. And it, at least you're, at least you're saying, acknowledging what happened and at least saying, yo, here, Hold on a here's second. a little bit of something to help you catch up to where the fuck we are now. So couldn't the government just say that reparations came in the form of PPE loans? No. No, because it's not it's not it's not specific to certain targeted groups. And I, I think I think the key here is the economic stimulus component, right? And so we've given out a lot of money to a lot of companies to make sure that those companies spend it in a way that benefits more than just those companies. The TARP program was an example, the bailouts of the banks with the subprime meltdown of 2006, 2007. And so you know this this is a this is a problem and a stain on our country's history as big as any of the other issues that we've thrown a lot of money at mhm yeah 
Man, I tell you what, I don't think we're going to come to a solution today on the show in regards no, but, to this. No, but I love but the conversation. I love the, it's, yeah. it's, it's, you can't have progress without process, Jason. This I'm, is part I'm, of the I'm, process. I, bro, I'm, you know, I'm, you, I'm a big you, part of the process. I get it. You, know, you, okay. you, you need some real gritty sandpaper to smooth that thing on out, right? I'm, 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 all, on, about, I'm all about the grit and the grind. And yes, you know, sir. and and yes, you and, are. And in the in 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 the words of uh, Mr. Elliot Lewis, you know, sandpaper condoms. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. And on that, we're going to go to a commercial, and we're going to be right back. Oh man, that was weird. Hey, you America! Do I look like Sean Connery? <laughs> Good morning, America. Saman Razani coming to you live from sunny Los Angeles, California with the one and only highest host, Mr. Jason Beck, smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast? You can find it on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. No excuses in 2024. If you haven't checked us out, check it out now. And also, check out what The Prophet's doing in 2024. Up next is the highest Republican in the room, known for smoking the best weed in the world. And word on the street is he is going to be president, former president, uh, uh, whatever his name is, 45. I don't even What is that dude's name again, uh, Jason? Convict 223. The greatest, the greatest oh, yeah, 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 that guy. president word that is America has ever had. Is official reparations czar jason beck oh let me tell you something bro if that was the case i would make the best reparations czar straight up okay <laughs> we'd make sure that the people that were supposed to get money get money and the people that are not get nothing straight up there would be there would be zero there would be zero waste zero uh you know uh, zero fraud none of that but let me tell you where the fraud is at, because the fraud is in Oregon because a House Democrat is accused of accepting illegal campaign donations from a controversial marijuana dispensary chain. That's right. A, non, a nonpartisan uh, ethics watchdog has filed a formal complaint against the House Democrat running for a reelection, calling for the Federal Elections Commission, the FEC, to investigate potentially illegal contributions from a controversial marijuana dispensary chain. The Foundation for Accountability and Civic Trust, better known as FACT, submitted the complaint on Monday alleging that Representative Andrea Salinas, Democrat from Oregon 2022 campaign, and her joint fundraising committee each accepted a donation from La Mota, Oregon's second largest cannabis dispensary that appears to be an illegal prohibited contribution or an inadequately disclosed contribution. But a source with knowledge to the transaction is pushing back on the complaint, telling Fox News Digital that there was actually only one donation, that it was improperly reported due to a data entry error, and that it has ultimately donated in full to a nonprofit once negative news reports about the Lamoda began to surface. According to the complaint, Selena's campaign committee, Andrea Salinas for Oregon, and her joint fundraising committee, Selena's Victory Fund, both reported $1,000 contributions from Lamota in August of 2022 ahead of the November general election. And it added that neither it, it, it added that neither included the person within the limited liability company responsible for the donation as required by federal law. However, the source with knowledge uh, of the transactions told Fox News Digital that there 
was actually only one contribution of $1,000, not two, and that it was given to Selena's Victory Fund, which in turn transferred it to the campaign on the same day. The typical flow of campaign cash donated to joint fundraising committees. Um, concerning the identity of the contributor, the complaint noted that the that uh, an LLC can either be treated as a corporation and therefore be prohibited from making contributions or as a partnership that can make contributions so long as the contributions are attributed to partners and subject to the federal individual contribution limit. And a quote, an LLC is treated as a corporation if it has publicly traded shares or has chosen to file as a corporation under the Internal Revenue Services, the IRS rules, and is generally prohibited from making political contributions. Um, the complaint said an LLC is treated as a partnership if it has has chosen to file as a partnership or has made no choice as to whether it is a corporation or partnership under the IRS rules. It added that, uh, that an LLC must notify the recipient that, that it's eligible to make contributions and who within the LLC the contribution comes from is in the FEC filings, which Salinas's organization did did not do in the case of Lamota. In a quote, evidence that the Salinas campaign committee and her joint fundraising committee either accepted an illegal contribution from an LLC or improperly reported funds from Lamota are provided from their own FEC filings, which clearly do not inform the public as to the source of the funds. FACT exclusive executive director Kendra Arnold said in a statement, what makes this case even more troublesome is the suspected contributors involvement in significant political scandals and numerous legal issues with which the campaign obviously would not want to be publicly associated. We urge the FEC to investigate and impose the proper penalties to deter future violations, she added. Arnold's, uh, Arnold's mention of Lamota's post-scandals uh, and issues referred to multiple civil lawsuits, federal investigations, and federal tax liens the company has faced, including a controversy involving former Oregon Secretary of State uh, Sheming Fagan, a Democrat who resigned last year after it was discovered she was working as a consultant for Lamota during the same time her office conducted an audit on the cannabis industry. The source pushing back on the complaint told Fox News Digital that the transactions occurred eight months before any negative reporting concerning Lamota came to light and that once it did, the $1,000 was then donated to Marion, Marion Polk Food Share in Salem, Oregon, since the Salinas Victory Fund had already been approved for termination by the FEC in early 2023, and the contribution couldn't be returned. Fox News Digital verified the donation to the nonprofit, and Fox News Digital has reached out to Salinas' campaign for comment, and Salinas was first elected back in 2022 and is running for re-election in Oregon's 6th Congressional District. She currently faces no, no challengers in the Democratic primary, and elections analysts rate the race as a, as a lean or likely Democrat. So she's not going to lose her job. She's going to end up continuing on, and this fraudulent, fraudulence, fraudulence is going to continue to happen in Oregon. What do you guys have to say about this? This is Jason Beck for the High at Nine News. What do y'all think? Not sure why there's no penalties for <laughs> committing fraud. Right? right? It's, it's like a normal thing these days. It is. Right? It's very normal. Since the orange man made it okay, now everybody wants to try a little fraud. I thought Joe Biden is the one that made it okay. I, 
I have never seen much ado made about nothing. You just literally, I just watched my boy Jason get pimped by the clickbait of Fox News over a $1,000 donation I think that it's maybe deal. shouldn't have been taken. I saw this article. I thought about covering it, but then I would have I would have taken your your red meat, right? The diet yep. of this is so non-relevant. I mean, we <laughs> could go back through the history of questionable donations and this would be a pimple on a on a fly's ass in in in, in relative terms. And yet Fox covered it, you covered it, the mm -hmm. echo chambers covering That's it. Right. The $1000, it wasn't two, bro. it was $1. $1000 is a lot of money to people. No, it's not. Not relative to political campaign finance. No, it's not. But that statement is. right there but is the exactly what's is. wrong because it's facts without context. And shame on all y'all who think this is news. <laughs> yeah. They just get it from all angles this morning. I love it. Oh, yeah. I Talk about it. it Tuesday. Talk about it Tuesday. No, but uh, just, just so everyone understands, too, um, uh, only people are legally allowed to contribute to campaigns. Uh, business corporations, people too. Yeah, not not in this case, as 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 stated in the article. I'm glad your microphone's finally working, Simon. I'm glad you figured out your technical issues. It seems like you figured out your technical issues in about the same amount of time technical it takes you to roll it backward. Yes. No, I, I want I want to say that it's it's very eloquent and Shakespearean the bipartisan poetry that we're un, unraveling today. Um, it's yeah, of course, this is just pot shots at mm -hmm. political rivals. Um, that let's talk about the broader issue. Why shouldn't um, cannabis companies and corporations be allowed to make donations to their it's, favorite political? It's not, it's not just cannabis companies. It's all companies in general, Simon. But, but, so, that's, but we know to, that's not true. Do, no, that, that, that is true. That, that, no, that, that, no, 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 no. That's not true. That's not true. Corporations. Hold on, hold on a second, Simon. You got to understand how it works. Corporations, if they're going to write a check, corporations going to write a check. They're going to write a check to a super PAC. Okay, that is going right. to do that, that, and that that is not a campaign contribution. That is totally separate from anything like that. Campaign contributions are limited um, in how much you can give, and can be, um, uh, I think it's a uh, fifty-eight hundred or fifty-six hundred per congressional member per person, and, or for married couples, then that would be doubled to eleven six. And so that's basically or eleven two. But if you want to, if you want to talk about, if you want to talk about reforming money and politics let's talk about these dark super PACs the lack of transparency 100%. the money that's coming in that it has no accountability I mean this is again a pimple on a gnat's ass and yet you've got Fox News covering it and then they followed up to confirm Fox News <laughs> spent more money on their staff confirming the non-news than it than the, than the the total dollar amount of the of the donation. This isn't news. And if we want to talk about money and politics, this isn't where we start. And it's not where we end. It's a thousand dollars. A thousand dollars is a lot of money to people out there. Oh Jesus! But on that, we're gonna go to a commercial. We're, oh wait, no, no, wait a second. Sorry, 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 sorry. We are gonna roll right in. <laughs> That's right. The the Sebastopol Sage, the man who finally got his power back on after the rain took it all away. He does cannabis. He does a little bit of real estate, and every now and again, he does some cannabis real estate when cannabis people have money. That's right. It is none other than in the zone, Mr. Yarrow Kubrin.
So it's not a little bit of real estate. I feel like you're making me shorter than I am. And by the way, I, I do work for Zone Properties, but I do not speak for Zone Properties. I keep all this spicy Carolina Reaper commentary as my sole domain. Oh, so let me jump let me jump in to this article here today. And we are going to go international just like I did last week with Israel. And we are going to Southeast Asia. My article today is about Thailand. No more cannabis in Bangkok. New Thailand law to clamp down on marijuana. Cannabis was taken off the list of banned narcotics in June 2022 under the previous government, which included the pro-legalization Thai Party. Yes, I butchered the name, but that's what I do. The Thai government will urgently move a bill to ban the recreational use of cannabis, the, the health minister said on Tuesday after the kingdom decriminalized the drug in 2022. Cannabis was taken off the list of banned narcotics in June 2022 after the previous government, which included the pro-legalization Bumajai Thai Party. The move prompted hundreds of cannabis dispensaries to sprout around the country, particularly in Bangkok, provo provoking concern from critics who urged the need for tighter legislation. On Tuesday, the kingdom's health minister said the new bill, which bans the recreational use of cannabis, will be proposed to the cabinet meeting next week. The new bill will be amended from the existing one to only allow the use of cannabis for health and medicinal purposes, Cholan Shrikao said, told reporters, <laughs> to use for fun is considered wrong. Prime Minister Shreta Thavinson, who took office last August, has frequently voiced his opposition to the recreational use of the drug and said it should only be allowed for medical use. There's, there was fresh pressure from the public last weekend after the attendees of a British rock band Coldplay show in Bangkok complained on social media saying the entire concert smelled like marijuana. <laughs> Sounds like probable cause to me. So let me kick this off. I've been to Thailand. And I watched as Thailand was another country with a national framework that treated cannabis like a houseplant and decriminalized it. In my opinion, as a non-qualified reporter and commentator here on High at Nine News, I'm seeing the policy pendulum swing back from maybe not enough regulation to now again being overregulated. I'm also seeing this cannabis shaming, right? It's okay for medical use, but not for recreational use, even when the science is not fully in about where cannabis is beneficial and where it helps people and that conversation and that fine line between wellness and medicine and humans' attempts to create homeostasis for themselves. So my concern is this. Thailand is pretty is pretty lax when it comes to some things. In Thailand, for example, let's take their approach to sex. Let's take their approach to sex with people who may not even be over 18. Thailand has a relatively lax approach to the way in which people create pleasure with their bodies with other people. Now, I'm not saying that that's right. I'm not saying that that's right. But people flock from all over the world to get their groove on in Thailand, and Thailand doesn't seem to have any concerns about it. So to say that cannabis as recreation is wrong seems awfully narrowly formed. And when you say that it's only for medical, 
are we once again going to have politicians draw the line on what medical ailments qualify for medical cannabis? Is Crohn's okay, but not chemo? Is AIDS okay, but not Alzheimer's? I'm saddened by this regressive attempt to correct the lack of sensible regulation that wasn't there when they rolled this out a very short period of time ago. This is Yaro Kubrin, Hi at Nine News. I'd like to hear what my other panelists have to say. Man, I tell you, prices are going up in Thailand when this is going on. You know what I mean? This is this is great for the market yeah. for the people that are going to get out, be out there getting it, that are willing to uh, to risk their freedom in Thailand to uh, secure the bag. They're going to get some paper. Yeah. Uh, no, do you want to end up in a Thai prison? What could be worse than that? Well, the food be, is good, though. Would you be tied yeah, down, Todd? <laughs> well, do they call it Thai food or do they just call it food? Right, right, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I think there's an excellent example of elections have consequences. That's right. Right. Mm -hmm. they, That's right. They elected this guy and he was anti cannabis when. They elected him, and he's trying to put the genie back into the lamp. Can't do and that. It's only going to empower the trap mm -hmm. <laughs> phenomenally uh, yeah. because um, it is. This is uh, this is like New York just just totally shutting down their industry after they let the trap run rampant after a, a full year. Are, are like, you saying if are, are you saying Rico that if New York was in was in the uh, was was in was in Asia? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Like, are you you you're gonna let everything just go as it as it is? You gonna let the the the, the trap run free the way mm -hmm. that it has over the last year and a half in Thailand, and now you just want to shut absolutely everything down? Like, nah, man. <laughs> is that how shit works? Yeah. It's going to too much money has been exchanged already. People know the power, the economic power of this plant and they see the demand that the people have and it's not just tourists either it's the local people have such a demand for this that it will persist period and I, I think the or not i think the equivalencies that rico is touching on is both of these markets are already cannabis markets new york has been a cannabis market for as long as cannabis has been in the United States. Mm -hmm. And Thailand, with its history and contribution of land race strains, Thai stick goes back to before my dad was even playing jazz, okay? And so we're looking at these two markets and what Rico is talking about is one of them thought they had it all figured out and has really stepped in the cow patty of regulation. And the other one, uh, said regulation smegulation, and now they're having to pendulum swing back to adjust for the fact that they didn't have a comprehensive set of rules and 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 guidelines. Mm -hmm. But in either of these cases, there still exists cannabis use, mm -hmm. cannabis consumption, cannabis sales, cannabis distribution. And I think what Rigo is saying is at some point the notion that you can ban something that already exists is asinine. Straight up. Yes, mm -hmm. thank you, Jason, for uh, Jason. Thank you, Yaro, for translating uh, my 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 word salad there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, straight up, uh, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube here. Uh, people are going to procure where they procure from, and um, if this actually goes through, it's going to be from the trap. Mm -hmm. And as Jason said. Prices are about to prices go up. about to go up. Packs prices on packs in 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 Thailand about to be Thai going packs. up. 
Tie packs. Yes, tie those packs <laughs> up. Man, oh man, this is, I mean, this is great news for the trap. This is bad news for all the people that are just out there that are probably going to close down because then we're going to get scared and whatnot of big bad Johnny Law out there in Thailand. But uh, Todd, what do you think? You know, I think that uh, Rico is right when he said elections have consequences. That's right. You know, the people voted for a guy who didn't want to legalize weed. So, <laughs> do the people really want legalized weed, or was it corruption? Look, there's a. We all know there's a demand for cannabis worldwide. The economic impact on local and you know uh, uh, state and even you know national economies is uh, obvious, right? And the fact for them to do this is just silly. Like, like you said, you can't stop something that already exists. Mm. You know, prohibition did not work, right? That's why we have bars. <laughs> right? Exactly. So, um, better, it, better bars to drink in than bars to be held behind. That's for sure. And on that, we- Ooh, But uh, bar, maybe, maybe they need a bigger prison population and they wanna do their own, you know, uh, uh, Nixon war on drugs. Um, get, I don't know. It's a mess out there in Thailand, and uh, it's a bummer because it's a, it could be a uh, huge market and uh, really boost the economy there. We got to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated. Whatever you're doing, make sure that you hit the like button. I know we'll appreciate it. YouTube will appreciate it. And all, make sure that you subscribe to the channel if you've not subscribed already. And all the articles that we cover on today's show, you can read directly on our news site at www.highandnightnews.com. I'm Jason Beck, and this is Smoky Vanilla. And if you want to feel as good as I look, then you need to get yourself a stretch and smoke with Smoky Vanilla. That's right, baby. I'm Smoky Vanilla with my background in kinesiology. I'm a sports massage therapist and stretch coach. I focus mostly on athletes who have chronic pain or injury due to their sport or the legends of the chronic in the game, baby. Oh, yeah, you know what it is. We just stretched and now we're gonna smoke because you know what it is. That's right. I love intuitively creating a session based on the individual I'm working with. We'll go through a few assessments, look at the past health history, injury, or anything that's still affecting you today, and create a customized session just for you. Let's go. Stage. Yeah. This fellow dope dad's a 15-year industry vet, award-winning solvent extraction pioneer with a current focus on helping menopausal women say hello and hi once again. Simon Razani, what you got for us today, my man? Thank you so much. Thank you so much, guys. I'm in a hurry. I got to catch a flight, so I'm going to be really quick. This story coming from uh, from Mar um, sorry, from MJ Biz Daily, uh, Chris Roberts reports. Um, Federal judge has rejected the latest efforts by out-of-state applicants to stop New York State from licensing adult-use cannabis stores, ruling in part that constitutional free trade protections don't apply to federally illegal marijuana. 
After the resolution of separate lawsuits that had frozen the ongoing rollout of New York's legal market, two California-based companies filed a suit in December that sought to keep the state from issuing more adult-use retail licenses. That suit used a familiar argument. The U.S. Constitution's Dormant Commerce Clause prohibits states from, set, from setting rules that favor state residents, according to court filings made in court by Beverly Hills-based uh, attorney Jeffrey Jensen. According to documents, Jensen is 49% owner of companies Verisite NY4 and Verisite NY5, and two other individual uh, individuals convicted of marijuana-related offenses in California are 51% owners. But U.S. District Judge Ann Nardachi wrote in her Friday ruling dismissing the lawsuit that the balance of equities tips in the favor of New York, uh, which demonstrated that the, that significant harm that would be caused if the state's adult use program was delayed again. Nardachi also re rejected the plaintiff's arguments that the Dormant Commerce Clause protects cannabis businesses. Other federal courts have been split on the decisions, she noted. Congress exercised its Commerce Clause power to pass the Controlled Substances Act and thereby prohibited a national market for cannabis, she wrote. Given that the national market for cannabis is illegal, it would make little sense to apply the Dormant Commerce Clause to New York's cannabis licensing scheme. Doing so would only encourage out-of-state participants in New York's cannabis market, which would be contrary to Congress's uh, exercise of the Commerce Clause power in enacting the CSA. In a statement to the Associated Press, New York Attorney General Letitia James welcomed the ruling. This is, an, uh, this is an important victory in our efforts to ensure that disproportionately impacted communities are given their fair share in the legal cannabis industry, she said in the statement. Other lawsuits targeting New York's marijuana regulations include one filed by white men alleging racial discrimination are pending. Chris Roberts reports. Thanks a lot. This is Simon Rezani for High 9 News. Guys, I've probably got to get out of here, but uh, keep continuing the conversation. Love you all. Respect. Much love, Simon. See you guys. Man, New York. There's some less, Simon. Yeah, New York, New York. Simon just going to... New gonna, York, they just can't to seem to get away. it together. No, they can't. They can't. Not at all. I mean, it's it's that's a, big... a place they need to pull the plug, wipe it clean, and just start all over again. I mean, we're just talking about you can't put the yeah. toothpaste back in the tooth, uh, you know, the tube. But New York is just a mess. I think the biggest mess is they just haven't put good leadership in place. Yeah. If New York put some great people at the top of this pile of chaos, I'm optimistic that somebody with enough authority and experience could get that thing turned around within 18 months. They should start voting red in New York then, Yarrow, if they want to get something done. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> right. I, I want to give, such I, I give advocates, a... those red yeah, politicians. Yep. <laughs> I think the only thing red should be the hairs on the bud. Oh, that's right. I want to give a, 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 a big shout out to the Suter music. Oh, yes. Yeah, Suter's music with the super fan donation so much love you want to read out his uh comment there jason yes 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 give me one second yes i thought you were gonna read it but yes he says yarrow's dad smoked jazz cabbage with early cannabis advocates to know about that <laughs> to know about that smoking that jazz cabbage mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm not mad at that because that's not that's not a swipe, that's not a jab, that's not a that's not a low but blow. He like, was right. That's yeah, I mean, my, my 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 they didn't even call it ounces back then; they called it lids. Right. And uh, 
Yeah, they called it a lid it instead a four of an ounce. Lid. It was a four-finger lid, Yarrow. Dude used to measure it with a finger. That's right, four That's fingers. Right. And, That's right. And so, you know, the history of cannabis goes back deep in our family, and, and I, I'm proud of that. So, yeah, that checks mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Was it was it jazz was it jazz hands or spirit fingers? <laughs> oh God. I don't even know what a spirit finger is. Okay. You know what? We're gonna I'm sure Jason does. Yeah, we're gonna try to end we're gonna try to end this show on time today because Adam has class. So we're gonna go to a commercial and we're gonna be right back. Oh, on time. Yes. In the meantime, keep your spirit fingers to yourself. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Get ready for the 20-year anniversary celebration of the Emerald Cup. The Emerald Cup will be held at the Henry J. Kaiser Center for the Arts in downtown Oakland, May 4th and 5th. Get your tickets now for best pricing. Cannabis categories include flour, three rolls, solventless concentrates, solvent concentrates, cartridges, edibles, topicals, tinctures, and alternative cannabinoids. So enter early for your chance to be a winner at the 20-year anniversary Emerald Cup competition. Oh, yes. Coming up next. That's right. He is the golden voice on High at Nine News. That's right. Who also has the digital universe where you can get all your digital dank in the metalverse known as the Smuggleverse. He's also the founder of the number one lab in Las Vegas, Nevada, Digipath Labs. That's right. It is none other than Mr. Todd Dankin. Thank you, Jason and the rest of you crowd <laughs> as the crowd goes wild, right? Uh, <clears throat> speaking of uh, red states and red dudes, yeah. another red guy in the news as uh, Representative Andy Harris attempts to sway the DEA from rescheduling cannabis. So, uh, Andy Harris claims that the FDA's eight-factor analysis on cannabis was flawed, leading to a misguided recommendation to reschedule. Man responsible for keeping Washington, D.C. from launching adult use sales is now attempting to sway the Drug Enforcement Administration from rescheduling cannabis. U.S. Representative Andy Harris, Republican from Maryland, sent a letter to uh, the DEA on January 31st and sent it to Ann Milgram, urging her to keep cannabis classified as a Schedule I drug under the Controlled Substance Act, holding it in the same class as heroin. LSD and ecstasy as having the highest potential for abuse with no currently accepted medical use. The letter was first reported by Fox News Radio. Uh-oh, was this Fox News Radio click uh, clickbait as well? Harris, a longtime cannabis reform opponent, is also the lawmaker behind the 2015 legislation that included a provision known as the Harris Rider, which stripped D.C.'s power to tax and regulate commercial adult-use cannabis sales, despite 70% of district voters approving a legislation uh, measure the previous year. The, congressman, uh, the congressman's January the 31st letter comes on the heels of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services recommending to the DEA in August that cannabis be reclassified as a Schedule Three substance under the CSA after conducting an eight-factor analysis on the plant's accepted medical use and potential for abuse, a study that was directed by none other than President Joe Biden. Now Harris is calling that analysis flawed, and he is pushing the DEA to consider an international drug treaty from more than 50 years ago as it conducts its official rescheduling review. 
The HHS conducted its eight-factor analysis in coordination with the Food and Drug Administration, an HHS agency. Harris argued in his letter that the FDA ignored, quote, several important factors when considering cannabis potential for abuse and harm, leading to a misguided recommendation to the DEA. Harris wrote, I quote, the recommendation did not sufficiently examine the effect of daily marijuana use, a key indicator of addiction. The recommendation also failed to consider the public health damage caused by traffic fatalities due to individuals driving under the influence of marijuana. Notably, FDA did not discuss the impact of marijuana use on pregnant women and children, despite a warning from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Harris did not mention that countless substances omitted from the CSA, such as alcohol and tobacco, can also impact pregnant women and their unborn children. Additionally, Harris argued that the United States treaty obligations to the United Nations Single Convention on Narcotic Drugs of 1961 should prevent cannabis's classification as anything but a Schedule I or II drug under the CSA. Harris specifically called attention to a 2016 rescheduling review in making this claim. This position came two days after 12 U.S. senators penned a letter to Milgram and Attorney General Merrick Garland saying that obligations to the International Drug Treaty have changed since the DEA last reviewed how cannabis is scheduled under the CSA in 2016. According to the senators, cannabis has been rescheduled under international law since 2016, a change that the U.S. and World Health Organization supported in light of the legitimate medical use of certain cannabis products. Still, Harris accused the FDA of biases in that it failed to compare cannabis's potential for abuse to many other Schedule I drugs instead of opting to hand-select drugs that appear more harmful. He said the only comparator substance in Schedule I in the recommendation was heroin. The agency could have included at least one Schedule I hallucinogen, such as LSD or ecstasy. The review even compared marijuana to alcohol, a substance that is not controlled. Did not review any stimulants, such as Adderall or Ritalin or scheduled, uh, that are in Schedule II. It reviewed nine scheduled substances, of which five were opioids, which had the effect of skewing the presentation of the data, he claims. Harris also said the FDA mischaracterized data on cannabis's harms, calling attention to the number of emergency room visits associated with THC as compared to other substances. He also said the FDA used a new two-factor test instead of what he deems as a more reliable five-factor test to determine cannabis's medicinal value and wrongly leaned on the prevalence of state legal medical cannabis programs as evidence of, quote, currently accepted medical use. Lastly, Harris suggested that the FDA misinterpreted three studies that had inconclusive or mixed findings to support its claim and that cannabis has, current, has currently an accepted medical use. In conclusion, Harris asked Milgram to respond to six questions no later than February 6, 2024. First question, will the DEA abide by the legally binding treaty obligations related to drug scheduling as outlined in the single convention when determining marijuana schedule? Number two, does the DEA believe that our international treaty obligations can be met if marijuana is placed in Schedule 3, despite the fact that Normal versus DEA in 1977 ruled otherwise? Does the DEA consider FDA's new two-factor test an adequate method for determining a drug's currently acceptable medical use, and if so, why? 
Will the DEA use the five-factor test to establish currently accepted medical use in its own scheduling review? Does the DEA consider it's acceptable to use studies that had inconclusive and or not statistically significant findings as justification for marijuana having currently accepted medical use? And number six, does the DEA consider daily marijuana use impacts on pregnancy and children and effects of driving under the influence of marijuana necessary elements to consider when measuring marijuana's abuse potential? If not, why not? I'm Todd Dagan with High and I News. What do you guys think of this knucklehead Andy Harris? He's he's he wants to enforce a 1961 law because nothing has changed since 1961 certainly. And his argument is just ridiculous. I don't I don't know Andy Todd. Harris is just ridiculous. Anything, like straight up. He is a he's a January 6th co-conspirator. He's a guy who isn't he the same guy who got uh, kicked out for trying to bring a gun onto the floor uh, of right. Congress as well. Right. Uh, this right. dude's this dude is wild and and he needs to be treated as such. He's, he's he is a a fringe outlier and he should be uh, not taken seriously by anybody. I want to. I want to take several seats. I want. I want to give this guy some money, okay? Because of course I, you do. Because straight, <laughs> straight up, would. straight up, anyone that's trying to stop it from do. going from to Schedule Three, I, I'm supportive of. Like, because Schedule Three is going to have such drastic consequences for for the industry overall that no no one's really worried about or thinking about because oh, it hasn't happened. Da, 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 and like, it'd be so great. We'll get 280e relief. Oh yeah, great. But uh, if you can't sell anything. I thought- I he wants to keep it as Schedule to, 1, Jason. I I'm thought fine. you wanted to give I'm this guy some money to send him to medical school I, so that he could have a clue about what he's talking about. One of the things in his letters, he talks about how cannabis has not been compared to stimulants, but I have never heard doctors say that it's a stimulant, it's a depressant. So he complained that it was compared to five opiate drugs. And I just, I don't know his background, but unless he has some medical training, he does. You know, maybe maybe this he does. Mm-hmm. He does. He's an anesthesiologist. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, so the, you know, props to him for that. But again, <laughs> cannabis is not considered a stimulant, right? It it just isn't. And okay. so, so and 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 he has a history of being obstructionistic, right? He tried to strip the taxes from Washington D.C. on their cannabis thing. So I just, I, what is his issue? What is he hoping to gain by this? When Rico talks about the genie being out of the bottle, like what part of the genie is he trying to put back right. in the bottle? Is it right. the shoe? Maybe the elbow? <laughs> is I interviewed just, him. So he, and yeah, just, yeah, I interviewed him a couple years fist. ago. And, he shot uh, a few the fist in there. Yeah. He's trying. <laughs> that's, he's that's fisting it. the genie bottle. Just for the record, yeah, yeah. he 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 doesn't <laughs> believe that uh, cannabis is medical at all whatsoever. And uh, it sounds like he's in Big Pharma's pocket because what he said to me was, look, I prescribe drugs all the time, but I know exactly what the dose is. I know exactly what the side effects are and so on and so on and so on. Cannabis, we don't know that because the research doesn't exist. So um, he thinks that the separation of the cannabinoids over time will be used to enhance some medications uh, from what he told me. Uh, so but, he should be pushing for federal legalization to allow for medical research that doesn't have to be done overseas. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. But he's just an anti-marijuana guy, and he just takes up space, uh, wasting lots of time and lots of taxpayer money for sure. 
Well, well, I just should send him to Thailand. I just got to say that yeah, Jake, Jake, you got to send him some yes. money. Yeah, no, maybe no. to New York. No, you can I, get them together. I, 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 listen, this is this is the thing. I, I I do not want it to go to Schedule Three. I'm only for descheduling cannabis. Otherwise, leave it as a Schedule One drug. Leave it the hell alone. And so that, that that's my position, and I, and I'm sticking to that. And that's what it is. Jason, you're a medical patient. How do you how do you say that this doesn't have any medical? I think that's totally no... I think that's totally ridiculousness uh, that, that that he's saying that. And and yes, okay. th those statements uh, do do go along with with his history with the pharmaceutical industry and whatnot. Yeah. But I do find it interesting that he's using these arguments. If he if if th these aren't arguments the pharmaceutical industry would use. You know what I mean? The pharmaceutical industry would want it to go to Schedule 3, so then that way they can break it down into all the different compounds and all the, you know, uh, all of that. That That's that's what the pharmaceutical industry would want, because that would how they would be able to to profit off of that, be making this synthetic, synthetic molecules and whatnot. So, but we got to keep, we got to keep this train rolling. A Adam got school. Yeah, we do. I got, I got one we last got, story. Got... I got one last quick story for you, Rico. Are okay, you, let's roll. Are you ready? It's a sad mm -hmm. story, you guys, so Yarrow, you may want to get a tissue. California marijuana company Bloom shuts unrivaled grow facility. That's right. California marijuana company Bloom Holdings has closed the last cultivation facility owned by its unrivaled brand subsidiary as it shifts to focus on cannabis retail and brands after a corporate reorganization. Bloom said in a Monday news release it was a con concentrating on operating and expanding it was what concentrating <laughs> concentrating on on on, on operating and expanding Tuesday. profitable <laughs> cannabis assets and development brands. The divesture of our final California <laughs> cultivation facility positions the company to concentrate on the cannabis retail market and our and our leading cannabis brands. While we believe we have stronger opportunities for revenue generation and market leadership, Bloom CEO Sabas Carrillo said in a statement, Bloom did not offer any financial details related to the closure and the Santa Ana-based company currently operates four retail locations and a delivery operation in California. The corporate reorganization in which Unrivaled became Bloom was announced back in October and completed in January and shares of Bloom trade over the counter on over-the-counter markets as unrivaled UNRVD, the former unrivaled tickle symbol, and the company, the company said the symbol will be changed to BLMH. What do you guys think about this? They're closing cannabis facilities, cultivations, you guys, in Orange County. Well, they're focusing on retail, so it's not in entirely a yeah it could be interpreted not as a sign of blood in the water but as a focusing a desire not to be vertically integrated um uh, i'm not buying it and not buying that either not buying the only it. way to be is they, vertically if integrated. that if that was no 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 because if that if yarrow's if yarrow's uh what well, yarrow's stating is correct then th then why wouldn't they be moving to sell that that facility or sell that license as opposed to closing it down Maybe they want to keep the real estate, Jason, and use it for something else that actually makes money. Like what? THCA farm? Like something not cannabis related. <laughs> I, I, I think it's I think it's 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 retrofitted like perfectly to become a THCA yeah. indoor farm. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the greatest current American investment: pickleball and That's NFTs. Right. That's right. Oh man. <laughs> Nice. All right, y'all. Nice. We're gonna close it out. Yeah. Thank you all for joining us for yet another episode of Hide Nine News or another 
Very spicy. Talk about it Tuesday. You can catch us live weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans showing love, giving their comments. Posted live on the big screen. Big shout out to the Suitors Music today with the big one. To our live audience and online supporters catching us across all media platforms, tuning in each day to the headlines of chaos, also known as the developing cannabis industry. To our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over, bringing us much-needed variety of perspective and your respected opinions to the table. Our production team, cloud media partners, um, our sponsors keeping the lights on, and our AV struggles to a minimum. As always, Cannabis CTVL, the reason we show up to read these stories every single day. Thank you, too, baby girl. It has been Tuesday, February 6, 2024. The show's over. You've all been blessed with the top industry headlines. Hope was enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow. I'm Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street for Hyatt 9 News, cannabis industry's number one daily news show. And uh, for today, we're going to give it to Mr. Todd Dinkins, the uh, golden tongue of Las Vegas. What you got for us, my Well, man? thank you, Rico. <laughs> if you're uh, coming to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl, make sure you frequent one of our lovely dispensaries that we have here in uh, lovely Las Vegas. Lounges aren't open yet, but uh, all the dispensaries will be. Everybody's running specials. Uh, I'll be at the uh, Gridiron Great Celebrity Golf Classic on uh, Friday, playing golf with a bunch of uh, cannabis-loving ex-NFL players. So very what could nice. be better than that? <laughs> so very, very Thanks nice. for listening, everybody. Great. We'll see you next Tuesday. Awesome. Go Chiefs. 